Thank you, Isaac. That, uh, wow, how indeed, how marvelous, how wonderful. Well, it is great to be here. I'm excited to be here. I'm even, in, I, I'm even more excited to have had the chance to worship with you this morning. Uh, it's been great already. And I look forward to the privilege of sharing, you, sharing with you the Word of God. We're in the series in, in Joseph, as Shauna has mentioned, and uh, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn in there or scroll to uh, Genesis chapter 46. I, I realize I'm a little bit late to the party on this Joseph series. I, I, I missed most of it, but uh, I honestly, I picked some of it up on some of the messages online, and, uh, and I, I've really enjoyed time in this in this account of Joseph and his family. Today, in, verse 40, in chapter 46, uh, just a moment to, to point out how did we get here? How did we get to chapter 46? Well, if you've been following, uh, you'll remember that Joseph and his 11 brothers, the sons of Jacob, uh, the story begins with them on their farm, ranch, uh, in their home in Canaan, and uh, uh, Joseph and his brothers have a falling out. I suppose that's an understatement, a pretty severe falling out. When you sell a brother into slavery, that probably qualifies as a falling out. And Joseph, through a lot of ups and downs now, has risen to second in command of all of Egypt. As a famine strikes in Canaan, Jacob sends his sons to go find food in Egypt, not knowing that Joseph is there. And there again, some ups, some downs, uh, a couple of trips to Egypt. And to cut to the chase, Jacob reveals himself, or Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, says, I'm your brother. And once he convinces them of that, he says, go get dad and bring him back. So we pick up then in chapter 46, after the, the brothers have come back to get their father, they've convinced their dad that it's possible Joseph is alive. Let's go to Egypt. Starting verse 46, starting with, or chapter 46, starting with verse 1. So Israel set out with all that was his. And when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father, he said. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Then Jacob left Beersheba, and Israel's sons took their father Jacob and their children and their wives in the carts that Pharaoh had sent to transport him. So Jacob and all his offspring went to Egypt, taking with them their livestock and possessions and all they'd acquired in Canaan. Jacob brought with him to Egypt his sons, his grandsons, and his daughters his granddaughters, and all his offspring. 
And then beginning in verse eight, you'll see it scrolling here. There comes a list of all of Jacob's family, his descendants, his children. And I'm not gonna read all these names, but I don't wanna miss them. They're not insignificant because these names are the ancestors of the first readers of the book of Genesis. The first readers of Genesis would have looked at that and they would have heard through the ages, I know those people, that is my ancestor. Why is that significant? Well, it tells us that this is not fiction. The story of Joseph is not fiction. It's fact because all of these people would have called out Moses if he had been writing fiction. They would have said, no, 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 that's not the way that worked. So this list that I'm, that I'm not reading validates not only the story of Joseph, but it validates all of the book of Genesis and scripture itself because it's not fiction. So after that list, I'm gonna pick this up uh, with verse 26 where it says, all those who went to Egypt with Jacob, those who were his direct descendants, not counting his son's wives, numbered 62 or 66 persons with the two sons who'd been born to Joseph in Egypt, the numbers of Jacob's family, which were in Egypt were 70 in all. Jacob sent Judah, his son, ahead of him to Joseph to get directions to Goshen. And when they arrived in the region of Goshen, Joseph had his chariot made ready. Oh, this would have been a procession. He had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father, Israel. And as soon as jo Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and he wept for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, now I'm ready to die since I have seen for myself that you are still alive. Joseph said to his brother and to his father's household, I will go and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, my brothers and my father's household who are living in the land of Canaan have come to me. The men are shepherds, they tend livestock and they brought along their flocks and herds and everything they own. And then he tells his family, when Pharaoh calls you in and asks, what's your occupation? You should answer, your servants have tended livestock from our boyhood on just as our fathers did. Then you'll be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen, for all shepherds are detestable to the Egyptians. Let's pray. Father God, as we look at your word this morning, would you teach us? Would you shape us? Would you move in our minds and in our hearts to make us more like your son Jesus and to encourage us in our walk with you? We pray in Jesus' name. Man, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but, but I'm going to ask you this question. How many of you have ever watched a Hallmark movie? Some of you say, I know you didn't ask me to raise my hand, but I got to put my hand up for that one. Um, my, my daughters and my wife enjoy watching a Hallmark movie probably often, and uh, I walk through the room and I see there's a Hallmark movie on. And usually, this is my strategy, usually I make fun of the Hallmark movie 
Because then I can sit and watch the rest of it and I don't feel like my manhood is in jeopardy, right? But Hallmark does these wonderful movies and in one sense, it, maybe it would be a little bit edgy in places, but the story of Joseph could be a Hallmark movie. And if it was, this would be a scene nearing the end, but it's a scene where the, the scenery shifts. We've been with Joseph in Egypt for most of the story. Most of the movie would be shot in Egypt. Joseph rising and falling and rising again to power. Joseph making a plan. Joseph seeing his brothers. Joseph reuniting with his brothers. But now the action shifts and the scene goes back to Joseph's father, Jacob. And we follow him. It says in verse 1, so Israel, that's the other name for Jacob, so Israel set out. Israel heads out on the move. And it says he goes to this place, Beersheba, to sacrifice. Well, Beersheba has a family importance to Jacob. It's where his grandfather Abraham sacrificed after, where he worshiped after Jacob's dad, Isaac, was, was saved from being sacrificed on the mountain. It's the place where Jacob himself worshiped after a, after a dispute had been settled. This is kind of a family altar. And he stops there and it says he worshiped the God of his father, Isaac. He worshiped God's, the, the God of Isaac has also become the God of Jacob. He worshiped there. And I, I don't want it to be lost that the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob is also the God we worship this morning. It's the God of whom we sang, how marvelous, how wonderful. One in the same, always the same. Jacob worshiped. And then God comes to Jacob in a vision. Now, <clears throat> I wondered as I was reading through this, why did God have to do that? And I thought, what's, what's Jacob's mindset in this? And I have to speculate because scripture doesn't tell us everything that we'd like to know. It tells us everything we need to know. But it doesn't tell us what Jacob's mindset is. So I have to think about that. And I wonder, did Jacob think, oh man, things have not gone well in Egypt sometimes. Egypt is, Egypt is not the most welcome trip for Jacob's family. And even though maybe, maybe it can be actually true that Joseph is there, but yeah, I wonder if Jacob ever thought in the time before he left, if he ever thought, I wish we'd have never gone to Egypt in the first place. Why did I ever set this in motion? One of his sons at one point in time was held there and he had to say, why didn't we go somewhere else? We could have gone to Greece looking for food. We could have gone somewhere else. Why'd we go to Egypt? 
Have you ever set in motion a series of events and thought, why on earth did I do that? Maybe that's where Jacob was. So God comes to him in a vision to reassure him. And I want to focus in these verses, in in verses uh, 2, 3, and 4, I want to take a look at God's message, God's promises to Jacob. He comes in and there's four of them. The first one is this, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid to go down to Egypt. I know, Egypt's not a place with great memories for you, but don't be afraid. I'll make you into a great nation while you're there. You don't have to be afraid because I'm at work. What Jacob doesn't know, he doesn't know the story that we know this far into Joseph's life. We know he's been at work all the time, even in Egypt. Jacob doesn't know that. So God comes to reassure him, Jacob, don't be afraid. I got this. I'm at work. Trust me. Go. The second is a similar promise. The second is, I myself will go with you to Egypt. I myself. So not only am I at work there, and I've prepared things ahead of you, and I know where you're going, don't be afraid, but I'm with you. Are... Have you ever headed to places and wondered, does, does God go with me here? Egypt's not a place that typically would be thought of at the time as a place that knows who God is. God tells Jacob, I'm going with you there too. In my years as a public school teacher, there were people who said, oh, God's not welcome in the school. And I thought, Well, they make me come to school every day and God's with me. They don't let God stay home because I'm under contract and God's with me. He goes with me. That's Jacob's situation. I go with you even into Egypt. He is a God who goes with us. So often we think God sends us And that's true, but he doesn't just stand back and go, good luck, bye-bye. Yes, he sends us, but he goes with us. There are those who think God set the world in motion and then he stands back and says, I hope this goes okay. That's not the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. That's not the God of the universe. That's not the one we worship this morning. The God we worship this morning is a God who goes with us. Even into Egypt. Maybe, maybe you've got an Egypt. Maybe there's a place you have to go you're not looking forward to. Maybe it's the result of a diagnosis. Maybe it's the result of 
of, of some situation you've set in the motion. Maybe it's brokenness in your family that, that brings about your Egypt. Maybe it's a pandemic. But God goes with us even into Egypt. That's his promise to Jacob. And the fourth promise, <clears throat> sorry, the third promise is you're going to come back even better. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to bring you back again. Jacob's grandfather Abraham was promised this land where Jacob was living and now he's leaving it. It's like, well, God, this is our land. What, what am I, I don't get it. God says, I got this. I'm going to restore this land to you. And if you know, if you, if you know the rest of the story and you fast forward 400 years, Jacob leaves the land of Canaan with 75 total people and comes back a million strong. When God restores, he doesn't just glue things back together. When God restores, he restores. And some things come back even better than they ever were before by God's grace. And sometimes he restores when we are so broken that we can't even imagine restoration is possible. And that brings us to the fourth point. The fourth promise is Joseph will close your eyes. If you read in, in the early part of this story, Joseph's brothers bring a robe back, a robe that had been dipped in blood, and they show it to Jacob. And Jacob is convinced that his favorite son, Joseph, is dead. And he says, I will mourn my son until I meet him in the grave. And now God says, Jacob, don't mourn any longer. The last thing you see in this life is going to be the face of your son, Joseph. He will close your eyes. The God that we serve is a God who is ready and able to address our deepest, most significant need. The greatest heartbreak that Jacob faced, the thing that was going to mark the rest of his life, I'll mourn him till I die. God, by his grace and mercy, comes and addresses that and says, Jacob, in essence, mourn no longer. There's a line in an old song I kept thinking about as I was preparing this, and, I, and I'm not going to sing it, but the line is kind of a mourning line. They, they mourn, how do you mend a broken heart? I don't know how, but I know God does it. He does it for Jacob. Maybe you've experienced that. A shattered family, a broken family, a family that's a mess. And God restores. Jacob, don't be afraid. 
I'm going to make you into a great nation and I'm going to go with you. I'm going to bring you up and restore you again and Joseph will close your eyes. Oh, that must have been a message Jacob needed to hear. It, it would make a pretty good Hallmark movie. That's a pretty good scene. But I do hope today that you see in this story more than just a great Hallmark plot. I hope you see in this story not just, not just the account of Joseph and Jacob and the family, not just account of somebody else being restored, but I hope you see an invitation an invitation that says, don't be afraid. I'm with you. Trust me. That's his invitation. That's his invitation to Jacob, but it's also his invitation to us this morning. Trust me because I restore that which is broken. Let me do my work in you. Restoration is what God does. And he invites us, give to me your life's greatest concerns. Whatever it is that may have at one point in time marked your life or maybe still is the thing, is the brokenness in your heart, maybe it's the thing that you can't get past. And God says, bring that to me. Why? Because I restore, because I go with you, because that's the kind of God I am. And he invites us, trust me. Let's pray. Father God, we pray that this morning, you would give us the courage to trust you. And as, and as Jacob set out, would you allow us to set out? Would you allow us to step forward in, in trust of who you are and what you do? Would you work in us and through us? Because Lord, you are the only one who can restore. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.